0: Is that why they were so hands-off as far as recording? And you said even with, like, because you mentioned this earlier about, like, the layout. Like, they were very hands-off with everything. Just give us the product, uniform choice, thing on it, giant thing. Is this why, like, they were just so well, hands-off? I think, I think what they are, the music industry, uh,
1: it's, it's uh, as you know, I the music industry is full of people, artists, that um, got screwed. We just happen to be one of the sub 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 bands that got screwed and they they said here's the funny part i remember what pat said the asshole said he said what are you gonna do sue me we have more lawyers than you that was his quote about i'm not paying you right even though we paid for the recording and all they we gave them the proper artwork professionally done marked up ready to go and um that's just you know people getting taken advantage of. Uh, we're not the first, and you know uh, certainly weren't the first, and certainly not the last. But it
0: was uh, it was tough at the time. But you know that that's the way life goes. Now, we don't feel sorry for ourselves. I noticed that the Dutch East logo is on that record, um, or they're listed like was was Dutch East. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were a distributor of Wishing Well. Correct? Is yeah, they they. Um, Again, another uh <laughs> well I'm saying because I I remember I, I did a small record label which actually put out the first Ignite record, and um hmm. I just remember well thank you. Well I mean I'm saying but this is all like it's crazy how all this stuff if you follow the genealogy of it, it really yeah. goes back to you and Pat, and you and Pat were obviously inspired by Ian. Like it's 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 cool. Um but I just I always remembered like I was always looking for distribution you know and so Rev gave me distribution and it was amazing and then I got distribution from Network Sound which was New Age and Conversion um, and then and then some and then some others but I just always remember Dutch East to me like I, I didn't I heard about it it was kind of like Caroline like I heard about it I knew that it existed but it just seemed beyond me so I guess my question is what was Dutch East's role in all of this. Distributors.
1: Okay, they 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 wanted to and did distribute um, to an obviously large larger audience the Wishing Well uh, band, the records. They they did, and that that's uh, again again that, that very much eye openers of, of business how things work. Um, but uh, again, I I got to preface something. I can only speak for myself. I wanted the best quality looking product and the most um, distribution we could possibly get for the bands on Wishing Well, because I took so much pride in it myself. I cared about everything that we did. When we did um, Vic Bondi's, that is not a hardcore sound. Um, and. Pat and I really liked it. It was interesting, and he was, um, Vic was so, so um, heartfelt in how he went about his music that we put it on Wishing Well. Every one of the bands that we did, we liked. And that's what I loved about Wishing Well. And there were, there were lots of them were different, completely different sounds. Um, so it's, it was a logical step to go with Dutch Eats. They were a big, powerful distributor to get records out places. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, again, naive probably because it's not like um, Pat and I had the time or or the inclination to try to track people down to, to break their legs when they didn't pay us. It, 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 was, it was disheartening. But again, that happens to people a lot. You put trust in people that you don't know and is aren't your family, um, and quite frank quite quite frequently you um, get let
0: down. Right, right. Well, you know what's interesting? You know you you mentioned the word product like a really good product a lot, and it made me think of something I didn't consider before this interview about all of this stuff about having to do with the backlash about having to do with how wishing well was perceived. So it's basically you and Pat. You have Pat's brothers who kind of have these ideas and they're able to help you guys. You guys did so well with the packaging of this stuff. It looked like a much bigger operation than it actually was. And what I what, what I was going to ask you was, did it sort of feel, or did you ever think about, like, we're sort of victims of being really good at marketing, like, you know, just something that you kind of fell into, like we were talking about earlier, um did you ever sort of feel that way? Like people don't really understand this is a mom and pop shop. It's not some crazy, you know, amazing warehouse filled record label where we have all these employees and, you know, we can do whatever we want at the snap of a finger.
1: Um, you know, for the most part, Evan, people were very, 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 um, supportive of us and, 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 when we played shows, when Uniform Choice played shows, and when Unity played shows, because we did uh, a Unity album too, um, um, it was it was worth um, all the hard work. When people really liked the product, I got lot. I mean, I got so much mail. Obviously, we got just tons of mail. Hey, could you send me stickers? Can you send me flyers? Hey, you know this kind of stuff. And I tried to really keep up with people um, a lot. And, and I know that um, somebody like Ian and, and and Henry and these guys have continued to do it to this day. You know, I, I think that was a big deal for me because before we got into it, I'd seven, send uh, uh, letters to Kevin seconds and to Ian and, and, and be, you know, they, I, they took the time to write a letter letters back. Right. Um, you know, and I, that's how I became real good friends with Kevin and, and Steve is long. I still have them super long, very well thought out, single spaced, handwritten letters with stickers. And, you know, we do artwork on it. He's just, just a wonderful guy. So for me, I, I, I tried to do the same thing. So I, there was no, not really any negativity that I saw where people were like, I didn't get my book in, you know, t-shirt for three weeks, you know, nothing like that. You know, it's like, Dude, it's just us going in there and doing it. You know, is Courtney printing them, um, and Pat and I doing um, everything
0: else. And that's just what the, the way it was. And so, Wishing Well started you and Pat just coming together and saying, "Hey, let's do a record label. We don't know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out because we like how we've seen it done." That was it. It
1: was. It was. There's no one else out there to put it out. That we would really trust, like I'm not just giving this product. We were both pretty strong-willed guys, um, and it wasn't going to happen where we're going to just um, let somebody do our artwork and it's going to do it shitty and shoddy. And it wasn't going to happen. So we said, let's just try. Let's let's. We were inspired um, by the kind words um, from uh, the Discord guys, um, and um, why not? So we did, and it was fun, and it was like one of the best times of my whole life. Frustrating, but at the same time, we figured it out. We found out where we could do things. We found out how much money we needed in advance to get um, uh, vinyl printed. Where do I get labels printed? I'm not going to get the labels printed at the same place because the guy that does the vinyl rips you off. Okay, well then I got to get open up two lines of credit. You know, hey, we or we can go with this one guy. Which we did, <laughs> which was the greatest stories in the whole world with, with a guy named Tab Rex going up to Hollywood and 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 using his people because Pat and I didn't know anything. So we're, he's like, "Well, let us put out you know a couple of your things, and uh, I'll split the profits with you." And then we were like, "Okay, good," because we don't give a shit about profits. We want to control the artistic portion of it, and he didn't care about that. Right. So we were able to meet with um, uh, and get to know the record plant and all these people. So after our first couple of albums, we were to take, they're ours, they're not his. We were able to take them. and Then the people liked us. So we were able to continue to have credit. You know, we'll pay you when this one comes in, money for this one. So that's how we were able to do it. And to be able to do that and still go to college full time was a lot of fun. And at the time, Pat was playing baseball. So, I mean, it was just chaos. 57 different balls in the air at the same time trying to figure out how to make bands on the label happy and um, still live our lives as, you know, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds.
0: The layout of the songs on that album, and this might just be me with, like, sort of, I don't know, I create things in my mind, like when I listen to them, or like I create stories that don't, hence why I told you you were a character in a story of mine before we ever met. Um, And so, when I first put on Staring into the Sun, opens with Region of Ice, and I'm like, in my mind, I was imagining, like, you guys, okay, hardcore scene, we're going to start off with something That's going to be a little bit different, which obviously is not the case. But I guess my question is, the layout of the songs on that album, do you remember anything about the thought process behind that? Like, okay, we're going to start with this song. Like, like, like any of that. Or were you not?
1: No, no. Generally, that kind of stuff generally
0: was left up to
1: Pat and I. Um, He and I would just sit down and go, what do we want to do? What do you want to do first? What do you want to do next? And then second, third, fourth? And, you know, we were cognizant. I'm not sure how many in
0: cut of a different cause is. I don't remember. Mm. Um, but we wanted to make sure that... That's sort of was, later on the record. Because I, I I went through it this week. Is I mean, because I, I have another question about that. But, yeah, as far as I remember. Sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: we wanted to make sure that uh, it was still... No, this is before anybody heard anything. Mm-hmm. I, this is gonna be different. We understand people are gonna think it's different, but let's try to make sure that they understand that we're still every one of these songs that we're gonna play, we played a few of them in the sets before we released the album. And and people were very, you know, they were very cool with them. In fact, I remember playing a show, not a show. In somebody's garage, I think it was a Huntington Beach or something, where we just showed up. I mean, we set up, we showed up, we played, and we played some uh, Scream for Chain stuff, but we played, I think, most all of the record that was coming out. And the people really liked it. You know, I mean, they got into it. What I think we lost in transition, and one of the things that probably all of us would like to redo was it, it wasn't the album seemed a little slicker than what we had originally intended by writing the songs. That's all. And that's just, and, and it, it, it was, it wasn't as uh, raw as the songs were originally intended. And that's just us being naive. And you, you get with um, an engineer that is not a punker that goes, Hey, you know, you could really make this sound better if you do this and this. And we're like, Oh, oh. You know, okay, let's try that. So, n- no excuses. I wouldn't change what I said earlier. I wouldn't change anything because it gets you who you are. Right. You know, you pick and choose what you want to do in your life. That that's never going to work. You learn more by your mistakes in my particular um, uh, life than I do with the, the conquests. You know, and and but the. Uh, I. Somebody told me, I think maybe it might have been Nelson, maybe it was Foster, that somebody has a recording of all of our songs on a demo, which we could have done, we did demo stuff all the time, you know, that was 50 times harder sounding than the songs on the um, Staring in the Sun. So, I would love to be able to hear that just for nostalgic reasons, but... I think that's really, I think that's what it was because it's really funny because people heard the songs that we respected that, that followed the band that I liked Dan and, 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 um, Billy, they heard the songs prior to the album being released live. I mean, so, um, whereas I'm sure they thought it was like, once I cry, if you heard once I cry, you would go really well if you saw Once I Cry live. People went fucking bananas, right? Because you know it's a slower song, but it also was you know Pat went ape shit, screaming and jumping around, and I went bananas playing. So it it it, um, it it's not as if people didn't know. I think they were just shocked that it was more produced than normal or the up-to-date, hardcore albums to date.
0: Well, you bring up Especially a really interesting point on that, because I remember in the 90s, like I said, coming up in a band, talking talking to people, and bringing up your exact point, like, you guys, like, did they play these? Like, you know, I've, I've seen videos, like, they played these songs, and by the way, Nelson, when, when I was 12... I um, for whatever reason I shaved my head. He wanted to take me to a uniform choice show. I was too scared. So I'm come on. I'm 12 years old. I'm 12 years old. I thought I'd get killed. But the point of where I'm of where I'm going with this is, I remember asking like, dude, like you guys heard these songs, like what'd you say then? And my friend who was at the show was like, you just it all blended as one like I'm saying the songs like you're exactly like what you're saying it didn't sound much different from screaming for change so that's why like it always surprised me that people make it seem because I even remember I back in the 90s I, I I was so confounded by this for some unknown reason I started reading reviews of the record and and the and and the some of the, there was a lot of good reviews but then some of the reviews would be like Uniform choice are back and they've grown their hair and this and that. But I I just remember thinking that doesn't happen overnight. Like it's not something that you guys would, hey everyone, this is who we are. Like, come on. It doesn't, and especially in hardcore and especially you guys. Like, I don't know. I I find it hard that people were crying foul when you guys were this is what Uh, we're doing.
1: First of all, Dave had long hair. (laughs) The whole time. Mm -hmm, mm And Vic had a medium man's Regular haircut the whole time. Neither of those guys ever shaved their head, ever. Okay? So Pat was always bald, and I was bald because we went to a um, Catholic high school, which if you play sports, you have to shave your head. So it was the best of both worlds. Who cares? i got to shave my head anyway. Right, right. So when he got out of school, I didn't want to shave my head anymore. And Pat didn't want to shave his head anymore. And by the way, strangely enough, I did shave my head. I think it was like freshman or sophomore year, just for fun. You know, in college, I'm saying, just for fun. And it was hilarious because I got people, oh, cool. He's back, or they're back. I'm like, who cares? You know, Walter, oh, guitar player. What a great guitar player, great guy. Walter said, long hair. Um Forever. Right. You know, but you know, it, it's funny. It, uh, Kevin uh, Marvelli, Kevin seconds. He grows his hair a little bit and people are like, Oh God, you know, ourselves and new wind, which I loved. No, I love it. Right? Love it. Love it. New wind. One of my favorite yep. band uh, albums. Love it. Um, but it's so funny that no one is in immu- It was immune. You know, Brian Baker, uh, maybe for my money, the, the, the greatest, Hardcore guitar player um, to ever live, right? And he and I don't share a lot of views um, on a lot of things. But I will tell you, a wonderful guitar player. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, he grows his hair long and wants to do a couple other things, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, he stinks. Right. Well, are you kidding me? You know, he was in Minor Threat as a kid, Dag Nasty. He was Dag Nasty, you know, the main oh, guitar- yeah. Uh, writer of everything. How could you, I I never understood that. As you get older, as I got older and I got to meet those guys, you know, uh, people are, nothing is ever as good or as bad as you think it's going to be before you you meet people or do something. Amen. And to this day, I, I love all of the things that they do. Embrace, rights of Spring, all that. I love it. That doesn't mean that I have to share every single view with them. You know, i've been married for a million years we don't share views on certain things so you know that makes things interesting you get to hear somebody else's perspective rather than just you know put this is mine i'm smarter than everybody so i i, I embrace that i do i love that the way somebody was brought up and how he sees um, the political climate or how he sees how things are how music is i think that's fantastic or she how they do that i think it's fantastic so i always think of it as a learning experience not somebody that i would uh you know okay well they're not in my camp and that's exactly what happened to uniform choice oh you guys aren't in the hardcore um camp anymore because you know the music is is not quite as hard and um you grew your hair you know but you know that's to be except- expected we knew that and you know it is what it is that's about maturity. You're not gonna please everybody. And uh certainly if you try,
0: you're gonna fail. That's, that's the way it is. How long did Staring Into the Sun take to record? Because you said you paid for it yourselves, correct? Or yeah, right? Like Giant we did pay for that. that we, or did did the you? Basic, we did the basic tracks pretty quick. And then Pat wanted to go in
1: and and, and work on his vocals a lot. And I always liked to go with um, to every every recording session. You know, I want to be there. I want to do this. I even did it with Winds of Promise. You know, <laughs> I wasn't going to let Joe Foster be there himself because he would rewrite all the songs. <laughs> so, but with Pat, he got to the point where he and Rich, the engineer, you know, uh, got along real well. So... it it took a little bit longer than we thought it was going to take. Um, I don't remember honestly to answer your question. straightforward. I don't remember how exactly long, but it took a little bit longer because he wanted to work on his vocals. He was very, 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 very adamant about wanting to sound, um, how he wanted to sound. And, uh, I'm not a singer. So that was fine. We, we didn't, we didn't care about that. Vic did his stuff pretty quick. Dave did his stuff. I did my stuff pretty quick. We did the backing vocals. Um, Pretty quick, because they're just hardcore back- backing vocals. And Rich, the, the engineer, had some some thoughts about backing vocals that had more melody. And so we included that in some of the slower songs. Um, did you?
0: a beautiful voice. Did you re-record Once I Cry because of kind of the poetic nature, underpinnings of the lyrics of that song? Uh, yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think so.
1: And, and I think... It was, hey, what would, what of these songs would fit on this record? And um, and it was just, it, it wasn't, you know, some of these things when you when I'm uh, looking back and thinking back on them, it wasn't super well thought out. And then it was just like, hey, why don't we do re-record this one? We're here, we know the song. It might be cool to be able to do something a little different sounding. So that was really it. It wasn't like hey, we're going to strategically put this here. None of the stuff was. We weren't, we weren't that smart. We're, or, or worse, we weren't that devious.
0: It just, you know, this is kind of what we want to do. Well, because it's it's so funny, you know, going back to Nasty, going back to Field Day, Giant, all that stuff. Um, there's like uh, a version, I want to say, I believe it's Under Your Influence, where it's 12 ounces of courage and I feel fine. Like I, I always thought that they were sort of not like laughing or casting aside you know the people that really cared about that music it was sort of like saying like to the to kind of to the people that had not been very kind to them and and said things and and, and cast aspersions on them that you know and 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 sort of assumed certain things hey, you, you know what, you're so bothered by this, well, you know what, we're just going to rub your noses in it. I always wondered, like, oh, we're uniform choice, basically saying, listen, you guys want to mess with us? Well, we're going to mess with you right back. But apparently, no, I was 100% no, wrong. No, no, no. I would tell you that after the record came out for a while,
1: there was, how can I put this? We were, We were aware of people being a little bit taken aback by it. But at the same time, it's like this. We were not, and I'm going to put this as delicately as possible. We were not really that intimidated by other people, um, not liking the direction we were or, or disagreeing with us. We weren't there to cater to anybody. That doesn't mean we thought we were better or worse than anybody. We never did. Um, shit on tour the first tour somebody wanted to play we were supposed to headline a few shows in canada and um they were like well you know we're a bigger draw here and we're like okay whatever right and then we'd play the best show the whole fucking tour go absolutely eight shit and then you know instead of going fuck you we should have played after you or you know we'd go okay well try to follow us that was our philosophy so we weren't really that interested in um Uh, what people thought if it was really negative um it didn't we didn't lose sleep over it and secondly we were aware that it was a change and that it's okay for people to not you know hey listen you don't have to fake and tell me i'm the greatest guy in the world or it was the greatest record you know give it some time and maybe you'll kind of get it later um and if you don't that's okay too you know it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't as if we were that worried about what people thought we cared about what they thought you know we didn't just do it to say fuck off but it's like okay well you know life goes on you've got to be a big boy if you're going to take the time to buy equipment this is my philosophy right even when we went on tour for 19 and 88 and 89 i watched all of the opening bands pat did too we we cared About them it takes a lot of balls to um, buy equipment learn how to play get get like-minded guys thinking together rehearse for a long time and then the big step is to get a show in front of your your friends um, and and put yourself out there you know that takes a lot of balls because you could fail so you can't be afraid to fail because then you always will. So we did the "Screaming for Change," and then and, and with Pat, with I, Pat, Pat Dyson, and with with me. Then we did uh, "Staring into the Sun," and you got to stick yourself out there sometimes. And there's going to be good, and there's going to be bad. We weren't that worried about it. It was annoying, but let me tell you, nobody said a fucking word at the shows. Nobody was up there. You guys are sellouts because Pat would have taken Mike and knocked all their fucking teeth out. So. And that's
0: yeah, for better or worse. That that's the truth. Well, what's also interesting, and you talked about this before, which was actually one of my questions too. Like, and it really hit me listening to the record this time. It's not like that whole thing. And it would have been fine if this was the case. It's not like that whole thing is this slow mid town I mean, that's a very fast record. There, there's, there's not even there's not a four-minute song. I think you know some of the, most of the songs, not even most a few of the songs are barely over 3 minutes and it's like what you mentioned i am you are wish to dream region of ice i mean there's a lot of really fast songs on that on that record and so it's almost like like i can look back on it now and i'm like i'm like wow there wasn't like there wasn't that much difference and then the stuff that they were doing like you were progressing as as a uh, band. Now, like, as you know, I wasn't around during that time, I guess, in the, quote, thick of it. But it really is interesting because you listen to that record. Those fast songs didn't happen by accident. I don't, you know, and I mean, obviously, based on what you've said here today, it wasn't like you guys put them on the record like, oh, well, this will appease that hardcore, no. So, right?
1: It, it, no, it was... we, no, we loved the music. I loved hardcore. Evan. What I listen to to this day for the last 35 years, not even been in the scene, right? I don't want to be redundant, but not having a disease is Embrace, of Spring, Minor Threat. All of these bands I listen to, not Government Issue, uh, Dad Nasty, all of those bands, Seven Seconds, um, Slapshot, everything you can imagine. That's what I continue to listen to to this day. I love other music too, but. My, my, the stuff that I listen to it, when I'm, uh, when I'm uh, working out or whatever is all hardcore, all hardcore music. And that's never going to change. And that didn't change then. We were just like, well, maybe, you know, let's try this. Let's try a couple of cool things. But we still loved playing live. Like I said, I, it's probably mostly my fault. I'm sure Vic got mad at me a bunch of times, but, uh, I like playing the stuff fucking 500 miles an hour as fast as I can play. And you know, even even the Winter promise stuff. Now we we probably played three or four touches faster than it should be that they were recorded because I like playing live and I like playing fucking aggressive, crazy, psycho stuff. Uh, that's what I like to do. And I would never be, I couldn't be a band that would be, hey, we're gonna go play with Def Leppard. I, I would, I wouldn't do that even if the, if we were good enough to do that. We wouldn't have done that. Or I wouldn't have done that because that's not the music that I want to play, that I get joy out of playing. I get pl- I, I'd rather play D.R.I. than um, than <laughs> Death Leopard or the Scorpions. I. Ra- that's what I'd rather play.